Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated coming up momentarily for your NBA Daily Assist. And Gordon, I cannot believe that we're getting a Game 7 out of the Clippers and the Nuggets. Don't get me wrong, I'm I'm happy to watch a a Game 7 in NBA playoffs. I've got to give Denver a lot of credit. They are truly never say die, but I've got to admit, I'm, I'm surprised. Especially especially the way they have, and, you know, falling behind like that and coming back. It's just remarkable. No kidding. All right, let's get to it. Austin, hit the open. It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist, featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix, on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Daily Assist brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Check them out online, leesheatac.com. Also, 801-747-LEES. Uh, let's get out to the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Joining us now from Sports Illustrated is our friend Chris Mannix. Hey, Chris. What's going on, guys? Hey, enjoyed your kind of uh, parting piece there at Sports Illustrated when uh, when you left the bubble. Is it weird to be home? Uh, it's definitely good to be home. Um, you know, you work pretty hard in that bubble and every day is like Groundhog's Day. Uh, so it's nice to get out and uh, have a little more space and a little more flexibility. Uh, but uh, certainly there are parts that you miss, like uh, being so close to the action, these kind of really impactful games. Team that doesn't want to leave the bubble sort of acts like it are the Denver Nuggets. Can you believe what this team is doing? Have you ever seen anything like this? No, they're, they're showing remarkable resiliency, and you're right. Um, I mean, a lot of teams at the end, like they're not unhappy to be leaving, whether it was you know, Orlando that was ready to pack up shop. You heard members of the Raptors say, boy, it's going to be good to, to see our families. Um, you know, teams are obviously disappointed to lose, but there's certainly a part of them happy to leave. And the Nuggets have had a couple of opportunities in these opening rounds to fold up shop. I mean, down 3-1 to Utah. They could have, you know, bagged it, you know, and you know, down the way they were last night, down six, or uh, night before last, down 16 um, during that game. They, they could have easily, you know, folded up the tent. But they hung in there. They, they, they played really well, and, and they forced this game seven. And it really is kind of a coin flip. I mean, the Jazz have proven that, you know, they can come back from a big deficit and win a, a big game seven. But the, the Clippers have yet to prove that. So, I, I really don't know what to expect in this game. It's certainly, you know, if you want to look at, at big games, who it's for, for Paul George, this is kind of everything for him. I mean, Kawhi is probably going to show up, and even if he doesn't, you know, he's got a proven playoff track record. For Paul George, this is a, a huge moment, huge opportunity for him to have a big game. So from the Clippers' uh, end of things, Chris, why haven't they been able to close out the Nuggets? What are they? Where are they falling short? I mean, they collapsed defensively in big stretches. And I don't know what to attribute it to because they do have very good defenders at key positions, specifically on the perimeter, whether it's Patrick Beverly and Kawhi and Paul George, these are excellent defensive guys. They just seem to fall asleep at the wheel 
you know, when they're 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 up big or when they're in key situations and, and they don't get stops, whether it's Luka Doncic in the, the last round or, you know, the way Jamal Murray and others went off in game six. I mean, they just they don't have that ability yet to play high level defense for forty eight minutes. Um, you know, maybe some of that is still them trying to work themselves and get the chemistry back because they didn't have their full roster until the playoffs started. Uh, maybe you can chalk some of that up to, but you know they've got to bring the intensity for 48 minutes. I mean that that Denver team isn't going away. That you know what they've done in these first couple of rounds is not a fluke. They're as talented as they come, and you know they're playing a, a basically a rookie in Michael Porter Jr. They're you know a guy in Jamal Murray who a lot of people had questions about coming into these playoffs. Um, these guys are for real. So you know if you're the Clippers, you better not come with 36 minutes of defense. You have to come with 48 to win. What are you learning, Chris, about Jokic? I mean, he's he's rapidly developing into the kind of center that you can call a go-to guy. And those players really are few and far between. I mean, anybody over six foot ten, you don't often look at them as being a go-to guy. Now, Jamal Murray's going to be the one that takes those kind of big shots when it's an isolation situation. But Jokic has the ability to you know, recognize the situation, step out, be a playmaker, uh, be a perimeter shot taker, and to also go to the basket and play through the post. I mean, he's showing that his versatility and the greatness he showed in the regular season has carried over into the playoffs. I think that is a question for every great player. I mean, Giannis is still answering those questions. And Giannis was so good during the regular season, but this is the second consecutive playoffs where he's come up a little bit short. I mean, Jokic is showing that, you know, what you saw in the regular season is is what you're capable of seeing from him in the playoffs. Who's playing better basketball right now, Chris, the Celtics or the Heat? I mean, the Heat are playing better. This is just a really tough matchup for them. I mean, in, it, it's weird to say, but you know, they matched up pretty well with Milwaukee, which is a more traditional team. The same thing with the Pacers, who are a more traditional team. Boston's very untraditional. Like, they... You know, they, they play, you know, one through five, but their five-man is Daniel Tice. He runs the four better than the three, and, you know, they switch everything. And, you know, they have a bona fide Jimmy Butler stopper. I mean, you know, Marcus Smart is is a maven out there defensively. And, you know, Butler's numbers against the Celtics in the regular season were great, but they were propped up by a 37-point game that he had where Marcus Smart didn't play. So I think that you, when you have Marcus Smart, who took his turn on Pascal Siakam, who did really good work in spurts on Kyle Lowry. If you can deploy him on Jimmy Butler for long stretches, you're going to force him into some tough shooting nights. And I don't look at the Heat as as having enough proven guys to survive that. I mean, Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero, I mean, these guys are the future. They're excellent players. Uh, Kelly Olenek has been really solid. But I just think Boston's defensive versatility is going to be the X factor in this series. I think they're going to contest a lot more shots than Milwaukee did and cause a lot more problems for Jimmy Butler than the Bucks were capable of. Jumping back out to the Western Conference, uh, Chris, I always thought that the Lakers would prefer to play the Nuggets rather than the Clippers. I mean, the Clippers have given the Lakers some difficulty at times. Who do you think they're rooting for here, though, with the way the Nuggets are showing this resilience? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's you know, pick your poison in a lot of ways. Um I think, I guess, in theory, you'd probably want to play the Nuggets because they don't have the kind of playoff experience that the Clippers have, whether it's in their coach and Doc Rivers or Kawhi Leonard. Um, at the same time, the Lakers have proven they can win against virtually any style 
Uh, if you have a strong backcourt, they'll beat you. If you have you know, big men in the front court like the Blazers did, they'll they'll beat you. I mean, they've they've been really good. I mean, I, I think that you know the Clippers are kind of the team that you fear more as the playoffs go on, and as they continue to get deeper and they get into that Lakers series, maybe something clicks for them that makes them look a lot tougher than they did in these first couple of rounds. So I guess you'd probably lean towards them wanting to play Denver, but the Nuggets have shown just incredible, incredible spark in this series that I'm not sure that's an easy series win either. Chris, where does Houston, uh, where do the Rockets go from here? Mike D'Antoni is moving on. They um, have a high payroll, obviously. I'm not sure, sure how much flexibility they're going to have. What do you think's next for that franchise? Yeah, they don't really have any flexibility, at least not on paper, but that's never really stopped Daryl Morey from making some creative deals. I just think they, they've cast their lot with Harden and Russell Westbrook, and this is kind of where they are right now. And, you know, the next coach is going to have to be carefully chosen. I mean, you've heard the usual suspects. Ty Lu is a candidate for basically every job. Uh, Sam Cassell, that was an interesting name thrown in the mix. I'm, you know, Sam's a very volatile guy, at least he was as a player. I'm, I'm fascinated to see how he and Russell Westbrook got on as player and coach. Um, you know, Steven Silas is a name you'll hear come up. Silas was a, a finalist for that Rockets job uh, back in 2016 before I went to D'Antoni. He's done great work on the Mavericks bench. He's considered a head coach in waiting. So that's someone to keep your eye on as well. But that's a tough team to coach. I mean, Mike D'Antoni is, is an offensive genius, and he found a, a, a situation or a strategy that worked. And I'm not sure that another coach can go in there and devise something better. I mean, they kind of are what they are. They're a team that's, that's built to play small ball. It's not like you're going to go find centers you know, on the open market in the offseason that are going to make a huge impact. And they're built around Westbrook and Harden, who are going to be a year older you know, next year. And at some point, Westbrook's athleticism uh, will start to wane. Harden plays a lot of minutes. I mean, that's, that's a tough situation. They've still got two of the best players in basketball, but uh, you know, they're both on the wrong side of 30, and, and I'm not sure that the upside for this team is going to you know, stay on the, on the high end. Jake and I were talking about this earlier, Chris, and that is that after the Rockets were eliminated, you heard Harden say, hey, man, they got to go out and get help for Russ and me. And I'm thinking what you already said. Where are they going to get that help? I don't – I'm not – are you – do you think that those two can win a championship playing side-by-side side based on what's a, what might be available to the Rockets moving forward? Yeah, it's just really hard to say. Um, I think that Russ and Harden can be the one-two guys on a championship team. I do believe that. Uh, but two things. One is I don't know where that help comes from. They don't have uh, much, if any, draft capital to deal away because they dealt it all in the Westbrook trade. So it's not like you're going to be able to put sweeteners into a deal that gets you a player. They can probably look to absorb a bad contract, but I'm not sure where that bad contract is. You know, is right now. I don't know, you know, where they'd look. I mean, they've got two guys in Westbrook and Harden that are going to make like eighty, ninety million dollars over the next couple of years. You know, between them, so it's 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 a tough it's a tough team to to kind of build on moving forward. So I don't know. I don't know where the that help really comes from. I mean, they'll they'll get Ben McLemore back, and you know, I guess some of the other younger guys in that team could make some improvements. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know where they get where they improve. And besides that. The Western Conference is going to be a juggernaut next year. I mean, every game is going to be a tough out. I mean, the worst team is what? Maybe San Antonio if they bought them out. Oklahoma City if they bought them out, but they're still going to be tough. Uh, Minnesota is going to have the number one pick in the draft to add to that mix. I mean, there's just going to be there's no gimmies in the Western Conference next year. And 
you know, if you're if you're not careful, if you're the Rockets, you wind up in the sixth seed and you're you know on the road in the playoffs. I mean, it's just I don't I don't have a ton of reasons to be you know hugely optimistic about the Rockets' ability to build on this group to a championship level. Jake, can I jump in here for one second? Sorry to follow up on what you just said, Chris. To what do you attribute the Western Conference almost always being better than the East? Uh, some of it's circumstance. I mean, look, LeBron wanted to play in L.A. He didn't want to play in the Western Conference. He wanted to live in Los Angeles and play for the Lakers. And you know, that's part of it. Uh, you know, I think next year the East is going to balance out a little bit when you get Kyrie and Kevin Durant. You know, back with the Nets and the Celtics continue to take strides, and presumably the Bucks will. I mean, I think the Bucks are going to be real players for Chris Paul in the off season when the when the uh, the Thunder eventually look to trade him. So there'll be a little bit more more balance. But it's just it's been that way really since the Jordan era ended. You know, we're almost twenty years where the Western Conference has been uh, the dominant conference. I, I don't believe it's it's enough to say let's reseed one through sixteen and do it that way. They probably could have done that. Uh, for these playoffs because there was no travel. But given that they decided not to do it, I don't think that's in the offing. It's just been uh, a situation where, you know, those Western Conference teams have been appealing for free agents. And the Eastern Conference outside of, like, the top two or three just haven't been very good. So uh, you'd like to think it'll eventually balance out. There are some some good young players on the bad teams in the Eastern Conference that you can see start to make moves. But for right now and for the foreseeable future, uh, the, the depth of talent is going to be in the Western Conference. Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, speaking of the Milwaukee Bucks, why do you think they came up short? Let's diagnose that situation for a second. Well, they, they lack playmakers, number one, and that's why Chris Paul has got to be such an appealing guy for them. I mean, he's another guy that's going to be owed $80 million over the next two years on his, his long-term contract, but uh, I, I think you got to go out there and roll the dice. And you can get him. You can do some kind of package where it's Ersan Ilyasova, Eric Bledsoe, uh, George Hill, and you can make the money work with throwing a draft pick into that mix, and you've got to do it. I think you need a guy that can make plays, and you know, Eric Bledsoe's had three chances to be that guy in the playoffs, and he hasn't you know, delivered on that. So I think that's, that's part of it. I think, I mean, I love Mike Budenholzer as a coach. I mean, he's proven himself the last couple of years, won Coach of the Year awards, but it just is head-scratching to see him continue to play his depth in the playoffs. I mean, depth is great for the regular season. Depth is almost meaningless unless you're in foul trouble with the playoffs. You should only, if you're not in foul trouble and you're healthy, be playing seven, maybe eight guys. There's no reason to play nine, 10, 11 guys in the postseason. It just isn't. You want to burn your guys out. I mean, look at the Toronto Raptors. I mean, Kyle Lowry's 34 years old. He's playing 46 minutes every single night. You know, Marcus Gasol's in the 40s. Uh, you know, Pascal Siakam's in the 40s. All their guys were playing 40-plus minutes because you, you know, what's that phrase, you try to win with the horse they that brung you, whatever it is. Like, those are the guys that you want to play. And it was really bizarre to see, especially early on, before Giannis got the ankle injury, to see him stick with that 34-ish minute type of range. I mean, you've got to adapt to this. And the guy's 25 years old. Like, just burn him out. Let him play out there. There's no reason to, to keep him on the bench for, for long periods. So I, I think that's an adjustment they have to make going into next season as well. Keep, you know, keep your depth going in the regular season, but – you get to the playoffs, whether it's Chris Paul or anybody else, play your guys 40-plus minutes and win with the, the stars that you have. Speaking of that, I like it when stars stick around, stay with the same club, and try to build from within. But do you think Giannis is going to stick with the Bucks over the long haul? 
Well, he's certainly giving every indication that he is, whether it's through his post-game comments about, you know, building culture for years to come, what he said to Yahoo with Chris Haynes, where he said, you know, I'd, I'd go through that wall. And, you know, nothing I've heard coming out of the meeting he had with ownership suggests that they're panicking about his long-term future. But I do think you need to keep improving on that team. And that's why I keep going back to the Chris Paul deal. I mean, that that is the most obvious deal you can make. I mean, Chris Paul, age 35, is still an all-star level player. He is you know, not a championship level player, but he's a proven guy in the playoffs. Uh, he can create his own shot. He can get shots for others. I mean, that's the guy you need out there. It is, it is a gamble because you'll be paying him 40 plus million at age 37. But when you're the Bucks and this is the situation you're in, this is what you got to do. You, you've got to you know roll the dice and spend a lot of money and hope that you know you're able to accomplish what you what you want to accomplish, and that convinces Giannis to ultimately stay around. So I, I think I think Giannis is on the Bucks next season, but I do think they need to make a substantial deal to bring in another talented player. Uh, and that deal to me, the only one that makes any sense is Chris Paul. Chris, thank you very much as always for jumping on with us, man. We really appreciate it. You got it, guys. So our friend Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated, your NBA Daily Assist. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about Chris Paul to Milwaukee. Yeah. It would make a lot of sense, actually, because they are in that win-now mode trying to um, you know, retain Giannis. So maybe that's something that they do. What team would sign a point guard that makes 30-plus million a year uh, late, in our, late in his career? Who, what team would – oh, wait. That's kind of what the Jazz did. Too. Nice. I see what you did there, Gordon. I, I don't know. Uh, let me ask you this. What, if you were Chris and you just got out of the bubble, what was what would be the first thing you would do or over the next couple of days? What would just hang out at your house? Chris Paul? Not Chris Paul. It's Chris Mannix. Oh, Chris Mannix. I'm sorry. sorry. I, got a, I got a little uh, confused there. Well, based on what he told us about uh, the, the uh, lack of depth on the menu in the old bubble, I'd probably <laughs> uh, find a way to get all my favorite foods in front of me at one time. Yeah, 9,000 calorie meals. Yeah, That's right. what I'm looking at. Just, just go for it. I'm not even a big foodie, but I got to imagine eating the same thing over and over again, like anything but dry chicken wings. You know, isn't that? Didn't he tell us he was eating that in Caesar salad? Like mix in a Cobb salad or something, something different. Maybe I should give him a call and give him some tips in the kitchen. Maybe you know, work something up. You, you should do that. Yeah. Okay. Right. How to how to uh, whip up a key lime pie in forty five? Hello, Wildcats. <laughs> should I, should I send him? That video? Uh, sure. You could tell him how to pour orange juice over ice cream and call it a milkshake. It was so good. I got to tell you. Man, it's good. <laughs> you should Oof. be on the Food Channel. Have you ever seen that show? My wife loves this show. Have you ever seen the show World's Worst Cooks? I <laughs> actually think that we should nominate Gordon for this show. Oh, it, you told me about it. It sounds like they stole it from us. It's a it's a pretty – I don't tell my wife I said this, but it's a pretty good show. And uh, they they actually uh, get these cooks that are not good to be pretty decent. I, it's it's actually pretty Im- impressive to see them evolve under the tutelage of these professional chefs. What level of dishes are they making? Like, are we going from knowing nothing to to pretty Wolf complicated? Gong-tuck? Yeah, they going yeah. knowing zero to actually throwing together a pretty decent dish if you make it that far. Which I don't know if I would bet on Gordon, but but Gordon's a sharp guy. Gordon, you could learn, right? See, you guys, just what you don't know, that if I hadn't done what I'm doing for my profession, I would have been a chef. Uh, for about 30 seconds. 
No, the creativity involved in it, the liberating kind of try something new kind of factor, uh, you know, being master of my own kitchen and being, you know, I mean, I, I myself uh, doing that and going off to Paris and learning how to really do it. I think I could do that. See what what you don't know could about me, Jake, is if I weren't doing this, I'd I'd be winning Oscars. Yeah, if, you're if right. I hadn't chosen this over exactly. that. Yeah. <laughs> let's see. Really, I could. I, it was a choice. Uh, let's see. You don't think I could be a, a, a you know, look? Take me back about fifty, sixty, seventy years, <laughs> and uh, in my early college years, if I'd gone <laughs> off to culinary school, you don't think I could have become a great chef? No. No. Next question. With proper education, with proper tutoring? No. <laughs> See that again, once again, that hurts. Why would it hurts that hurt? Me. Uh, because I think I could do it. I think a lot of our listeners could do it if they had uh, the, the desire. And if I had the proper desire, which I would have if I'm going to culinary school, I think I could, I could be, uh, I could be uh, one of the great chefs. Are you saying you know? it's not that hard? <laughs> yeah, again. No, I'm not saying that. I think it would be hard, but I would uh, put my no nose to the grindstone and, and get it done. That's a health mm. code violation right yeah, there. I don't believe it. Let's see here. Uh, <laughs> doesn't that sound kind of doesn't that, doesn't that fun to you? No. Worst, worst Cooks in America now casting new season. Uh, let's see. Do you consider your friend, spouse, or family member to be the worst cook to ever step foot in the kitchen? Chef Ann Burrell and other surprise star <laughs> chef will lead teams of recruits through a culinary boot camp. In the end, one contestant will earn twenty-five grand. How about that? In, in let's see, if you would like to nominate somebody, please complete form below. Okay, twenty-five grand's not worth Gordon's time. Let's see. What is your relationship to the nominee? Acquaintance. <laughs> Bitter enemy. <laughs> friend crosstown rival nominee's name gordon monson are we really doing this on air right now? i'm doing it right now email so i've got in front of me 15 points that will make you a truly great chef Ugh. not you buddy let me give you some of these characteristics no. all right competence competence palate you got to be able to taste the flavors uh experience that's something i could gain Knowledge of food, uh, respect, uh, proper menu planning, uh, training. You know, I could get that training. Kind of a team focus. See, that, that's right up my alley because I'm a team guy. You guys know that. High expectations. I've always had high expectations. Uh, being able to weed out the weak links. I can do that. Presence. Be a good example. Yeah. Sweat the details. I'm a detail-oriented guy. Yeah. So here the position is not about power. It's about responsibility. This is my calling. I missed it. Let's see. Why are you nominating this person? He couldn't microwave a burrito, <laughs> but claims if he wanted to, he could have been a great Chef. Okay. Why don't All right, we do I'm going to finish. Why don't this. we do this? Why don't we? Oh, 
No, no. Why don't we open the big show cafe? And uh, that's a good I'll, I'll business to I open these days. What is the nominee's current <laughs> job title? Columnist. <laughs> Yarn weaver. What industry is the nominee in? The media, journalism, newspaper. What obstacles, if any, has the nominee had to overcome? None. The plenty. I had to work with you guys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll finish this. We'll get to more on the other side. Stay tuned. We'll talk uh, more NBA basketball. Competence. We've got the not Competence. Leadership. Straight ahead. Team-oriented. 97.5 and 12 in the zone. This is Utah's best sports radio. You're listening to The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding you forward on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you, don't you about hate what? Don't you hate it? What don't you hate it when artists try to replicate a great song by the original artist? Oh, they they do this better than the original artist. <laughs> uh, want to remind you about our friends at Action Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Spring into action. Mention this ad and receive thirty-three dollars off any service. Call today 801-833-3333. That's 801-833. 3333 at Action Plumbing. All right, Gordon, I'm about to uh, hit submit on this bad boy. <laughs> you still working on that? Apply. I did it. Uh, thank you. Application successfully completed. We'll review as soon as we can. Done. What are you going to do if they actually invite me in? Oh, you're going to go, and I'm going to watch. <laughs> I'm going to go. Okay, Dad. This would be amazing if you made it onto this show for so many reasons. First and foremost, I think you would really enjoy it. If you're just joining us, we <laughs> uh, uh, we just applied for Gordon to go on Worst Cooks in America on the Food Channel. <laughs> when will we hear by, does it say? I, it didn't say. They do a celebrity edition, though, like Ian Ziering won it once. Who? Were you? Uh, oh, you Sharknado guy. Yeah, Steve from 90210. Were oh. you honest in filling out the application? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, what do you mean, man. was I honest? Of course I was honest. I'm sure you were, but... What would I have been dishonest about? Are you supposed to nominate someone else, or are you supposed to nominate yourself? No, you're supposed to nominate somebody else. The idea, like, a bunch of the, the contestants are nominated by their families. Like, kids who are like, oh, my mother is terrible at cooking. Please help. Like that kind of thing. <laughs> okay. Uh, Tell him what well, the, we'll... the essay answer you gave about uh, a, a time that he needed help in the kitchen. I said that uh, he's so helpless in the kitchen that he once asked his wife where the bread was. <laughs> did you really? I did. Did you include <laughs> I didn't put the, the time fr- he the freezer close one. the freezer? Because oh. that one seemed like it would take a while to explain. Hmm. <laughs> but... Yes. It, it was off its track. And and Lisa was the only one that knew how to close it. 
Yeah. That's well, it. I and she was she, and she had to she leave. She was doing something for herself. How dare she? <laughs> and she a, had to come home at a and different close house. The freezer. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't like she was in the she, basement. Okay. Wait. First of all, she was next door. All right. <laughs> she was right next door. It was an Second open of freezer. all. Second of all, she had fixed it. She had figured out how to fix it. Uh, or had found out from someone else how to fix it, and I was not privy to that conversation. So I figured she could fix it quicker than I could. <laughs> by leaving, by dropping everything that she was doing, leaving someone else's house and coming home. <laughs> Next door. It took her three minutes. But dropping exactly what she was doing at the time. She was at a book club. So? All they do is sit around and talk anyway, <laughs> you know. Oh, I mean, spending really. time with your friends and loved ones. Pff, what a waste of time. <laughs> that can be interrupted. <laughs> Boy, am I sorry I ever shared that story with I would you guys. Be, I would be, too. <laughs> Very sorry. All right, uh, NFL action tonight, Gordon. We have a, uh, a pair of Monday night football games. Either of these games doing it for you. The Steelers are at the Giants, and uh, Austin's Titans are at the Broncos. Uh, yeah, I think both those games are worth watching at some level or another. But uh, sure, I'll be rooting for Austin's Titans. Oh, yeah, I hope they win I... by 40. Because you want Scotty's team to lose, right? Well, there's my, always a reason. My dislike for the Broncos goes well beyond Scotty, but that is the cherry on top. Yeah. So this presents a dilemma for Jake Gordon. He's got two friends right. whose teams are playing. He has to cheer for one of our teams. True. <laughs> I do. He probably wants both teams to lose somehow. I would love for both teams to lose, but in this case, I, it's just there's there's extra dislike for the Broncos, so I'm I'm jumping on boards with the Titans. Plus, I've got uh, Derrick Henry better score like 15 touchdowns. Was oh, he on your fantasy team? Yes. yes. Jake, uh, <laughs> what are you going to do with all your time with Austin and me going on through the elimination process over the next? 10 I don't weeks? know. Stupid Colts. <laughs> week one of a survivor pool and I'm out first pick and and my whole logic was pick the team playing the Jaguars they're trying to lose on purpose how could a team possibly lose to the Jaguars well the Colts said hold my beer <laughs> terrible actually uh, I thought that was a good pick by you but I did too but oh, it wow. backfired Austin uh, let's see you had the Bills over the Jets Gordon which turned out to be a good pick and, Austin, you had the Ravens over the Browns? Yeah, and I hereby dibs whoever's playing the Browns every week. That's yeah, my pick. They are terrible. They are terrible. Touch blue, make it true. That's my pick. Are the Browns an example of a team that if you're a poorly run franchise, you're just never going to get out of your own way? Probably. I mean, they've tried, right? They've tried to be aggressive and picking up players, and they made the trade for Odell Beckham Jr., and they signed, um, what's his name, the running back from Kansas City? Kareem Hunt, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, Baker Mayfield is—they've uh, kind of built the franchise around him. I guess maybe you you picked the wrong guy to build around. I guess. But Trevor Lawrence on on his way. Man, can the I don't know if the Browns can be that bad though. Well, the Jaguars were rumored to hoping to be tank for Trevor Lawrence. Right. They, they, lo and behold, the Colts are ahead of them. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on from Philip Rivers already. Uh, can't wait to uh, move on from that. No, if the Browns are bad enough to have the first pick in the draft. That is, we can all agree that would be the biggest disaster in the league, right? 
I mean, at least a part of NFL pundits out there are predicting the Browns make the playoffs. They should, based on the moves they've made over the past couple of years. And they gave Miles Garrett all the money that the all world can hold. of the money. However, they are the Browns. Exactly. So that's my point. Yeah. Is, are they, in a, you know, what's the owner's name there? Haslam, who uh, picked Johnny Football because Johnny called him on draft night and said, hey, we can do magic things together. And the guy said, pick this man with my first round pick, please. Number one <laughs> overall? Yes, sir. He just called me. What? What, what pick was that? Was it 22nd? For uh, Johnny Manziel? Yeah. I don't remember. Something like that. The only good GM they've ever had was the fictional Kevin Costner uh, character in that really bad movie. The the guy who slammed the the laptop down. Yeah, and he said, enjoy your pancakes. He was 22 overall, by the way, Johnny Mantell. Yeah. Yeah, good poll, Gordon. Uh, Where is he now? um, Not playing in Canada? Not playing in Canada. Not playing anywhere, I think. That's beneath him. Oh, he was he was on a Canadian roster last season, I thought, but uh, he was for a brief period of time. I think he ended up getting cut. I think you're right. I think he did get yeah, cut. Yeah. I think he ended up getting. So, cut. what do you do if you're Johnny Manziel and you, you're you're famous or infamous, or and and you come from a wealthy family? What do you do with the rest of your life now? You apply to be on World's Worst Cooks. That's what you do. <laughs> you you become a reality TV star. Actually, this that could be an avenue for Johnny Football. He could get on any reality TV show he wanted. That's what I do. He's the Ryan Lochte of the NFL. Yes, he is. I, w- I would be doing the circuit, Dancing with the Stars, Jersey Shore. What else is on TV these days? You going to watch <laughs> the Bradshaw reality show? Carl Bradshaw? No, Terry. Terry Bradshaw is a reality show? Yeah, doesn't he? Austin, you know all this stuff. No, that's literally the first time I've heard about that. Google it. Yeah, he and his family. What's he doing, taking over for the Kardashians? (laughs) Maybe so. All I know is I saw the commercials, and he was running around in like a diaper or something. And and, and and he was wearing a a wig at one point. And And it wasn't an ad for that awful Fox NFL No, this is the thing. And he might be replacing the Kardashians because it's on E. Ah. It's called, uh, let's see here, the Bradshaw Bunch. The Bradshaw Bunch. Terrible. There's no way that's good. No. Yeah, I'm with you. There's not a (laughs) chance that that is good television. When does it have to be good? Was the card keeping up with the Kardashians good? I suppose it just needs to make money. Just needs to create controversy. Have you thought more about the the Real Housewives of Salt Lake? Are you going to be dialed into that? Because the more I think about it, the more I am watching every second of that show. (laughs) Why? Oh, because it's just going to be drama town. It's going to be your neighbors? Not my neighbors. Maybe your neighbors. I don't. I don't know why people want to go on TV like that and and uh, make themselves look foolish. Because if you're not foolish, then you're boring, right? So you have two choices: you can be foolish or you can be boring. And if you're boring, you're not going to stay on the show. And you, my friend, are not boring, and that's why I submitted you. Two worst cooks in America. Did you just call Gordon foolish? <laughs> no. <laughs> Gordon said you have to be foolish or boring, and you said, "Well, you're not boring." <laughs> well, I'm telling you right now, Jake. If I get on that show, I am going to blow your mind. 
and you are going to think, boy, did I underestimate what he could do. Oh, I so hope that happens. Because if that happens, that will mean you have gone on the show. <laughs> Which would be unbelievable. That would be a dream come true to see you Where on a reality Where do they do the filming? Show. Do you know? I would guess L.A., but I guess I don't know. Hopefully don't they really have know. a pickles, cheese, and cracker night. Oh, if they, Did I uh, tell you about the time that I got invited on the uh, game show to tell the truth? <laughs> yes, I told you, you about Not it. today. But... This is not a game show, however. This is a reality show, a little different. Yeah. Well, I there is some invite, competition I got, in, I got invited on a Montel Williams show. Remember when I told you that story? Was that about, like, uh, uh, you, your nephew that had, you know, like seven arms or something like that? What kind of, re- <laughs> what kind of show was Montel Williams? Wasn't he, like... like not Springer, but just a step down. Like, similar to Dr. <laughs> Phil type flavor. No, wasn't Montel it? wasn't Dr. Phil. Well, I wasn't... thought it was like troubled teens addressing their problems with their mom on set or something. Oh, maybe that. Could I have think fallen. it had to do with I wrote I wrote a a, a big long takeout story about uh, about compulsive liars. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say biography? Uh, <laughs> it, you researched this, huh? Oh yeah, deep research, and they wanted me to come on and talk about it. But what? Uh, something got in the way. I think I had to go cover something, so I told them no. I was doing something, you know, important, like uh, watching Lisa do yard work. Yeah, watching Lisa bring the mulch in to the backyard. Hey, somebody had to spread that mulch. And when they couldn't do it, you went out there and did it. And I think, you know what? I think she would have been fine spreading that mulch. But, you know, Johnny come lately is like, hey, be happy to spread that out for you now that all the hard work's done. Hmm. Well, uh, okay. Uh, well, I, I kind of you've piqued my curiosity about this uh, cooking show. So, you know, with the way you described my application, maybe I think I might have a chance of getting on there. I think you've got a good chance. I think they're going to look at that uh, Trib stock photo that I uh, included. <laughs> We've got to get this man on the air. You're going to get this loser on the air. Oh, you should have used uh, when the, the surveillance still frame of when he stole the station gear. Is oh, yeah, photo. That, well, we want him to get on, though. I think that would pique interest. <laughs> that would stand out. No, yeah. because they'd be like, he's going to steal the equipment. <laughs> Even though I don't want it. Why would I want this spatula? Why would I want this $5,000 mixer? <laughs> what am I going to do with it? Make, uh, make milkshakes with it, right? All right, stay tuned. The Not Sports Port is next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone so Sports Network. I come to you with open Nothing to hide Believe what I say So here I am With open arms Hoping you'll see Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time to get a winner for the Chevy Strong Play of the Game. Be caller 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE, and correctly identify the Chevy Strong Play of the Game announced by DJ and PK this morning at 850, and you'll win a Zone prize pack. It's the Chevy Strong Play of the Game, brought to you by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers right here on the Zone Sports Network. It's time for the Not Sports Sport, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online, LHMUsedCars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? 
Well, we're going to, I think this was, uh, this is out of the New York Post. I think it was out of New York then. But uh, let me uh, let me tell you about what, what uh, was sold at auction and see if you think this was a good deal. A lock of President Abraham Lincoln's hair that was removed after his death uh, was sold at auction along with a blood-stained telegram about his 1865 assassination. The two-inch-long thatch of hair and telegram sold during an auction that just ended on Saturday, uh, and uh, they did not disclose who the buyer was. How much? How much do you think that went for? $29.95. (laughs) Austin, what do you you think? uh, What would you you think somebody would pay for a lock of uh, Abraham Lincoln's hair along with a telegram about his assassination? Three trillion dollars and not a penny less. No, the price was eighty one thousand two hundred and fifty dollars. And I think that's a bargain basement price. Why didn't you pull me up that kind of of dough? For a lock of Abe Lincoln's hair? Are you kidding me? That, that, that sounds like a great deal. Doesn't it? That, that, you know what? That spawns a, a really good poll question or, or question in general. Who uh, Whose lock of hair from history would you most covet? <laughs> and your answer would be? I don't know. I just thought of the question. Hmm. Let me think. That's a tough one. Frank Beamer. Who do you think? What? Frank Beamer. <laughs> Please. Who do you, what, whose lock of hair do you think would uh, would stir the most interest? I don't know. Abraham Lincoln's probably up there. How about, uh, how about uh, Andre Agassi's old wig? <laughs> I don't think they're getting 81 grand for that. No? Come on. No. Mm-mm. Not at all. Not going to do it. How about you, Austin? I'm sorry. I was taking the winner for the, what was the question? Who, whose lock of hair would you uh, would you most covet? From history. Yeah. And you said Andre Agassi's wig? <laughs> I did. That's what, that's what Jake said. Uh, I'd go with uh, one of Bob Marley's dreads. Okay. That's pretty easy. That could, uh, that could yeah. be pretty cool, right? Might oh, be a little smelly, but yeah. It'd be worth something. It would be worth something. Hmm. I think I when I saw but that. Of course, price, you, you uh, can't beat Jesus, right, Gordon? Well, I wasn't going to go there. Why not? You don't believe? <laughs> I just don't want to be sacrilegious. I, well, I, I make him part of my life every day. How about part of Marv Albert's toupee? <laughs> <laughs> How about what celebrity would you most like to have? Uh, a lock of uh, isn't, said hair. Isn't the lock of the hair thing kind of creepy? Can we all agree on that? Yeah, that's it's a serial little, killer. That's a little weird. If you answer but, this question, the FBI will file it. Does it need to be somebody who is well known for their hair? No, no. Then it would be Don King. <laughs> he is well known for his hair. That is true. Is Don King still with us? I don't even know. Strong hair branding right there. I believe Don King is still with us. Is he? Hmm. Albert Einstein had some strong hair. Oh, branding. yeah. That's a great answer. That's a good one there. 
I, I, I wouldn't mind. Yeah, well, it is kind of creepy, actually. Yeah, you were just about, about, about that. You were just about to say, like, <laughs> I wouldn't mind having something is there. Well, we talked. We, 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 <laughs> well, we talked earlier about me opening a restaurant. You know, something like that could lure lure folks in. Come eat bad food and enjoy <laughs> Luke Perry's hair. Luke Perry. <laughs> How about Artis Gilmore? He had some hair. He had the big fro from back in the day. Um, what about a, just a tuft from James Harden's beard? Ugh. Well, that's rude. Yeah. <laughs> You're okay with Don King's hair, but not James Harden's beard? How about like... Uh, how about like... Uh, uh, Thomas Edison. Boring. Too boring? It is boring. Yeah? Okay. All right. Well, Abraham Lincoln. Well, there you $81, go. $81,000 fetched uh, some of his hair that was clipped from his uh, his head. Uh, you know, I don't know when they did it, but... Uh, I know somebody who would pay eighty grand for a clip of uh, James Harden's beard. Patrick Kinahan. He joins us coming up next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.